Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. If you just leave verse 12 up there for a moment, um, I want to read to you 11 and 12 in the English Standard Version. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints. Just elbow somebody, say, that's you. Don't elbow them too hard unless they're asleep. Then elbow them, you know, may the Lord anoint your elbow. Uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up, for I'm sorry, for building up the body of Christ. For building up the body of Christ. I want to talk to you tonight for a little bit about bodybuilders. Just look somebody eyeball to eyeball and tell them, God wants you to be a bodybuilder. Look at somebody else and say, God has called you to be a bodybuilder. Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. Thank you for this day. Thank you for an opportunity to be together with your wonderful people. I pray this day, Lord, that you will anoint us to hear what you would say. Nothing more and nothing less, but let us hear exactly what you want us to hear today. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. With that, you can be seated tonight. Um, as I was, I, I was talking to uh, Brother Stone earlier today, and I said, I, I have these two verses that I want to focus on this evening, and, and, and whenever I want to focus on some teaching, I want to get the context of the verse. I think it's important that we understand the context of the verse, and so I started going backwards through the Bible, Brother Kevin, and uh, you know, you got to look at verse 10, and then 9, and then 8, and, then, and you go on up here, uh, and finally I, I stopped at verse number 1 in Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul writes this, he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Well, that's interesting to me. I, I am begging you, I'm beseeching you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Now, I, I, my brain, or, or I hope it's God, but, uh, but he did put the brain in my head that I have. and uh, I, I want to look some of those words up. I was having a discussion with some of these ministers the other day and my sweet wife, and we were focused in on six words in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, and finally Sister Angie looked at me and she said, my brain doesn't work the same way that yours does. But I, You know, I, I, want, I want to know stuff about God and about His Word. I think the Word of God is so so awesome and so perfect that uh, I like to find little nuggets. So, so I'm reading here in First, I'm sorry, in uh, Ephesians four and one. I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. And I got two questions about that verse. First of all, I want to know who is you, and second of all, I want to know what's vocation because we think of that as a job. The word vocation in the Greek literally just means calling. So he says, I want you to walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. Now, they say you. Yeah. 
Because I want to know who is you. Who's he talking to? And Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 1, it's a letter. And so Paul, like a good letter writer should do, he addresses the letter to the people that are supposed to receive the letter. So he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So the letter that Paul's writing is addressed to saints and faithful. Uh, and so, so that's who he's, he's talking to. And I hope that tonight, it's a Wednesday night, and so we're made up of a group of people that are fairly faithful to uh, the assembly together of the people of God. If you're here on a Wednesday night, uh, and, and, and it's been dark for like three hours already tonight, dear Lord, Brother Tommy, we should get together for lunch and watch the sunset here sometime. Uh, but you're here tonight, you're faithful I want to know if you're committed to being a saint of God. I know we talk a lot about discipleship. And, and Jesus did go around with 12 men that they called disciples. And the word disciple is used something like 250 times in the New Testament. But it's never used after about Acts chapter 21 or 22. And the Apostle Paul, nor Peter, nor Jude, nor James, none of those guys, or John and his letters, they never use the word disciple. Now that's interesting to me. But some 52 times, the Apostle Paul and those other guys, they use the word saint. Let me tell you the difference between a disciple and a saint. A disciple means a learner, a pupil, a student, one who learns. And we ought to be people who are learning, who want to learn more about God, about more, more about the Word of God. Absolutely, this is not a trick question. We ought to be learners. But a saint is someone who is sanctified. It's someone who has taken what they have learned and then applied it to their life. It's someone who's taken what they have learned and then made application of it. It's not enough for us to be continually disciples. We cannot just continually be learners and never apply the Word of God. We've got to take the Word learn it, ingest it, make it part of who we are, and then take what we have learned and put it into practice. We've got to transition from just continual disciples into the saints of the Most High God. I can't just be an absorber of the Word. I need to be somebody who's set apart, sanctified, and called to do something with the Word that God allowed me to have. So I, I wish you'd just throw your hands up in the air right now and say, God, I, I want to be a saint. I want to use the Word. I, I want to apply the Word, not just to my life, but to my conduct. I want to be used. Because the fact is that every saint of God has a calling. We have, we have absolutely butchered the word calling by talking about people that are called to preach. And in almost every one of Paul's epistles, he writes to those that are called to be saints. It's a calling. And I'm so thankful for a number of people in the last month or so that have come up to me and they said, Pastor, I feel like God is calling me to something more. 
Oh, I wish you'd throw your hands in the air right now and just say, thank you, Jesus, because you are calling us to more. You are calling us to more. Mm. On Sunday morning, I've got to tell you what, we had just some throwdown church this week. We had people that operated in the gifts of the Spirit that have never operated in the gifts of the Spirit before. There was a level of faith corporately that we've never felt in this place together before. I am determined not to go back. We sing that song, I won't turn back now. We act like that means I'm not going back to the world and it's fine to sing it that way. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to church as usual. The men of God preach the disruptive nature of revival. I am inviting God to disrupt my life. I'm inviting God to disrupt this church. Because on Sunday morning, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. I want to get to where we were on Sunday morning and go forward. You remember we came to the front of this church and the preacher... And I said, Lord, if you want me to give him this word, let him come over and ask me. And he came over and he said, are you feeling anything? I said, the people of God need to repent. Not of sin. We need to repent of traditional Christianity that says that ministry is up to a select few and it's not for the body. You are a bodybuilder. And if we have to bump up against that stronghold and that spirit a few times in this service, we are going to throw our hands in the air and we're going to say, I take dominion and authority over any sneaking, stinking spirit that would try to put us back where we were. I want to break out of the mold of traditional Christianity and let the body of Christ be empowered to do the work of God. Hallelujah! And so I've come here today to teach you a little bit about apostolic principles and apostolic things. But as uh, Bishop Doug White, who's a prophet to this church, as he is fond of saying, it doesn't matter if you preach or teach about apostolic things. If you do, if you preach or you teach apostolic things, they're going to start to happen. And I feel the power and the presence of God in here in such a strong way right now. So in chapter 4, verse number 1, where he said, uh, let, let me read it right, or you can throw it on the screen if you want to. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. I beg you to walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. Now, it, that verse starts with a, or it, it's got a therefore in it. Now whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you need to ask yourself, what's it there for? The word therefore is synonymous with because. You know, like when your kids ask you, why are we doing that? And you say, cause. <laughs> cause. Okay, so he says, I, because of what's in the previous verses, I beg you to walk worthy of the calling wherewith you're called. Well, I, I, then I'm, I'm still backing up in the Scripture. Brother Kevin, I'm doing this Bible study backwards. So let's go up a couple more verses. Verse number 20 of chapter 3. Now unto Him 
which is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout ages, world without end. Amen. Therefore, I beg you to walk worthy of the calling wherewith you're called. Why? Why are you begging me, Paul? Why is Paul begging the church to walk worthy of the calling? Because there's power that's in you that's beyond your imagination. Oh, see, I thought we'd shout about that for a moment. He says, you need to walk in your calling because he that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think works in you. I want to preach so bad right now. I'll tell somebody, I am a bodybuilder. You don't even know where we're going yet, but you're a bodybuilder. And then he, he man, there's so much good stuff here. He, he talks about you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be. Uh, you, if you're gonna, you're gonna walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. You gotta do it with lowliness and meekness, with long suffering and forbearing one another in love. That word forbearing literally means putting up with one another. <clears throat> okay, well that didn't do for you what it did for me, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he says, if you're going to do what God called you to do, you're going to have to do it with lowliness. You're going to have to do it with meekness. You're going to do it with long-suffering. You're not going to do it in competition. You're, you're going to do what God called you to do, and you're going to put up with everybody else while you're doing it. Amen. And he goes on. He says, uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word endeavoring means working hard. Working hard. Working hard to keep peace. That's another message for another time, I guess. I won't get, we, won't, we won't get to where we need to go today. Uh, but sometimes it's hard work to keep peace. You know, because I, I don't know about anybody else, sometimes it'd be a lot easier to say what you really think. But a lot of times saying what you really think is not going to preserve peace. Because blessed are the peacemakers. Sometimes you got to bite your tongue and, and pray God help your attitude so that you can maintain the unity of the body. Okay, we got to go on. Uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, all that good stuff. Lord, I'm not being uh, disrespectful to your word, but we're on fast forward here. Uh, he says, he ascended on high, led captivity captive, gave gifts unto men. Verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. I would like to spend a lot of time talking about that too, but we won't do it tonight. We refer to that as the five-fold ministry. I'm not convinced there's actually five ministries listed there. I really personally think there's four. I think it's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Because he put the word some in front of four of them and then did pastor and teacher. Um, but then one of the, I, I don't know if it's misused, misunderstood, or just ignored verses after that. God gave. Somebody just look at your neighbor elbow and say, God gave. God gave. 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Let me meddle just a moment, Brother Tommy. God never elected them. If we think that by holding an election, we make a man a pastor, we're nuts. God gave apostles. Now, we might hold an election because by the bylaws of this, or by the rules of the state of West Virginia, if you're going to have a nonprofit organization, you have to have officers in the nonprofit organization, and you got and and so we call the title of the whatever, and we'll we'll elect somebody's pastor. All we're trying to do when we do that is be a tiny bit spiritual and say we really believe that the person that we're voting for has the gifting of a pastor somewhere inside. That's what we're hoping to say. However, man, it's only 7.34. There are a lot of, of men that have the title in their local congregation as a pastor, but they're not a, they are not gifted as a pastor. God has placed apostles that oversee local congregations, and he's placed evangelists that have the, the duty of overseeing a local congregation, and, and he's placed some prophets, although that would be a miserable existence to try to send under a prophet, and he, unless he can really, really govern the gift. And, and every now and then, God actually allows a man that has the gift of a pastor to be pastor over a local congregation. I hope I'm not losing you tonight. I, uh, I hope I didn't. So, what were the purpose? God, God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting. That's what the King James says. For the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting in, first, in, in Ephesians 4 and 12, it means the full equipping the full furnishing the apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher is for the full equipping of the saints it's to equip you and 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 make you ready and i put me in that i i because I, I need an apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher in my life for the full equipping, to make us ready for the work of the ministry. So, what, what, what I want you to, to, to grab a hold of right now, that the five-fold ministry is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, there has to be a work of the saints, just wave your hand. I, I want to be equipped to do whatever God wants me to do. I, that, and that's what the fivefold means. I think it's pretty cool that we can bring in somebody else, uh, Brother Dylan Morgan this past week, and I'm not going to try to label whatever his gifting is, anything like that. But I do know that as he ministered, stuff started to come on in this church that had never been here before. 
And people started to be used in tongues and interpretation that had never been used before. What is that? That was a spiritual impartation and an equipping because somebody out of the fivefold ministry was able to impart that into this congregation. And I feel very, very secure and confident in saying that those handful of people that, that uh, operated in a vocal gift were not the only ones for which God imparted something this week. And we got to get a hold of whatever God equipped us with because He gave it to us for a purpose. And so it's for the, the full equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. And that's just a fancy way of saying for building up the body of Christ. So not just me, not just you, but all of us that are called to be saints are also called to be bodybuilders. So every one of us should be engaged, involved in something that is building up the body of Christ. Now this blew me away as I began to study this uh, because Jesus said unto Peter, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I Build my church. Are we all in total agreement? Jesus is the church builder. That was a little weak. I'm not setting you up here. Is Jesus the church builder? Yes, He is. But, the verse we just read, where it says that He's equipping us, the fivefold ministry is equipping us for the edification of the body of Christ. The word edification is the same. It's just a different, it's instead, of a ver, instead of a noun, it's a verb. It's the same word that Jesus said, I'll build. Well, He's still building. He's just going to use you and I to do it. How's He going to do that? Well, according to the power that worketh in us. Jesus is still doing the building, but He's going to use us to build. On Sunday, we repented of religious tradition. And one of the most terrible religious traditions is all the ministry is done by the professionals and everybody else just comes to consume. That the the church congregation comes to pay their tithe so that somebody else can preach and make hospital visits. Man, I'm being just way too real. We don't pay our tithe to support the ministry. I don't pay my tithe to support the ministry. I pay my tithe to say saved. There has to be a ministry of the saints. And the ministry of the saints is to build the body. So... We, we could literally spend a, a hours talking about what the ministry of the saints looked like, but I just want to go to three scriptural principles. Talk, that was a long foundation, wasn't it? I want to talk about three scriptural principles, the ministry of the saints. Acts 2 and 42, And they steadfastly, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. We could read the rest of it, but I don't think it's necessary. The ministry of the saints. The first scriptural ministry of the saints that is recorded 
is that they continued in the apostles' doctrine. That doesn't mean that they just believed it and walked it out. They continued in the apostles' doctrine, which means they continued teaching or they continued in instruction. Acts chapter 5, verse number 42. Don't, don't get nervous right now. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Let me preface the ministry. Well, we're going to talk about the ministry of the saints. Let me preface that by saying that God has a calling and a purpose for everybody in, the, in this building. And you cannot, whoo, you cannot fulfill that calling and that purpose in this building. We're going to come together and we're going to participate in worship. We're going to participate in the Word. We're going to, we're going to dance and shout and sing about and all that kind of stuff. We're going to do that. We're going to, there's going to be some of you that are Sunday school teachers. or some of you in here right now, Sunday school teachers, music leaders, all that kind of stuff. But you cannot fulfill your full calling in this building. Well, what did the preacher preach? He said that revival is disruptive by nature. And if, when, I'm going to stop saying if, I'm also going to stop talking in the future tense. Because harvest time is now. Revival time is now. If we got any prophetic word this week, it was the season has changed. We are no longer in tilling season. We're not in planting stage. We're in a harvest season, Glen Ferris Apostolic Church. And when we have the harvest that God wants us to have over the next few months, weeks, and years, it will inconvenience everyone that is a participant. Parents wave at me. Did having children inconvenience you? Now I got a, a strong no over there from somebody, I think I know who it was, who's just, just, just talking about how much they loved. Their, but you know what? When you have children, it changes your sleep schedule. When you have children, it changes your eating schedule. When you have children, it changes stuff in your life. In fact, people that don't have kids, sometimes, you know, they don't understand the people that do. You can go golfing every Saturday, can't you? Yeah. Not when mama's flat worn out from changing diapers all week. You better not just disappear on Saturday morning and go golfing. It could be bad. It could be dangerous to your health. Am I right, sister? Am I right? It could be dangerous. Yeah, could could be. Revival is going to be disruptive by nature. And if we're going to fulfill the calling that God has for each one of us, it's going to happen outside of these four walls. And so they continued daily in every house, preaching and teaching the apostles' doctrine. They ceased not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. Now watch what happens. Verse number 42, Acts chapter 5, is the last verse of chapter 5. Verse number 6, And in those days when the disciples were multiplied... They went about and they taught. And when they taught, disciples were multiplied. 
Now, wait a minute. Let's watch this again because this is a biblical principle. Acts 6 and 7, the Word of God increased. So we say we need to increase the Word. The Word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests was obedient to the Word or obedient to the faith. If we, when we decide that we're going to take this Word outside this building and I'm going to open my house, and you're going to open your house, and you're going to open your neighbor's house to teach the Word of God. It's a biblical principle that the Word of God being increased is going to cause believers to be multiplied. Acts 5 and 12. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. They were all with one accord on Solomon's porch, and the rest durst no man to join with them, but the people magnified them. We, it says that there were... Signs and wonders done by the hands of the apostles. We want that. I mean, we want the power of God, signs and wonders. I want people to be healed. I want every miracle that's in the book of Acts. I want that stuff. But it says when, the, when there were many signs and wonders that were wrought publicly, it says the believers were the more added to the Lord. I want you to see something. When the Word of God, when, when the miracles increased the people increased. But when the Word of God increased, the people multiplied. We want signs and wonders. Absolutely we do. But they have limited potential. When the Word of God is increased, it has unlimited potential. Why? Because the Word is a seed. Brother Jeff, you take that one little kernel of corn, you drop it in the ground, cover it up, make sure it's watered, and if you'll take care of that seed, it's going to become 1,200 kernels. Because the Word has multiplicative properties. We want miracles, and I hope we do have miracles. And somebody gets healed, somebody, and, and it's a great testimony, and people flock and say, wow, that's wonderful. But a miracle will not keep you. The Word of God will keep you. An experience with God may get your attention. It may get their attention. But it will not keep you. The Word of God will keep you. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's the Word that keeps us. Oh, We need a revival of the Word. Not just in this building. But there are people in this room that God has gifted and equipped and God can use you to teach the Word of God. In... Do you think that being in church on Wednesday nights for the last 20 years was just to keep you saved? It is not. It is to equip you so that you can go out into the harvest field. It's so that you can go out and you can teach somebody a Bible study. It's to equip you for your calling. I wish somebody would clap your hands and shout unto God. Even if you don't feel called to teach a Bible study, I want you to shout unto God. I want you to shout unto God. I want you to release some faith right now. Maybe I don't feel like I can teach a Bible study today, but I know there's people in this room that can, and God is going to increase the Word so the disciples can be multiplied. The Word is better than any miracle. You know why? Because it says He sent His Word and He healed them. There's not word in the healing, but there's healing in the word. We need to increase the word. Yes. Yes. 
you know, I, I'm going to talk about three things that seem a little bit mundane. I'm going to talk about teaching the word outside these walls. I'm going to talk about fellowship, breaking of bread. And I'm also going to talk about prayer. But within every one of those ministries, the gifts of the Spirit can operate. Because, Brother Pat, when you sit down across from the, somebody at their dining room table and you begin to teach them search for truth into His marvelous light, whatever it is, then the word of faith starts to work. The word of knowledge can start to work. The word of wisdom can start to work. Man, I remember teaching a Bible study. I was going through discipleship class because I wanted these folks to be saints. That's why we're discipling. And uh, the, the, the guy had actually been in church longer than me. He was in church when I got in church. He, he married a, a girl who was uh, not, not, not real familiar with, uh, with living for God. But, but they had been in church for a good little while together. But whenever I was in Lewisburg, I decided I wasn't going to put anybody in as a Sunday school teacher or anything like that until they had heard me teach this Bethel discipleship class like Brother Josh teaches. And so we were sitting at, the, at their dining room table, and uh, it was the lesson on the Holy Ghost. And uh, I just wanted them to, uh, you know, hear me teach what, what I... just wanted, wanted them to hear me teach the, the doctrine. And uh, the young man, who's about five years younger than me, he's not, he's not old by any means. Uh, I looked at him, and you know how... How we are sometimes. I said, when's the, last, the Bible study was over. I mean, we'd already eat pie, drink coffee. I'm getting ready to head to the house. And uh, I just looked across the table and I said, how long has it been since you talked in tongues? And he paused. He said, well, I guess if I can't tell you, it's been too long. I said, well, yeah, that's probably right. And I looked at her and I said, how long has it been since you talked in tongues? And she said, I never have. felt so bad because I thought she had the Holy Ghost. I felt so bad. I felt this compassion for her. I said, well, you know, God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. I said, let's just pray. And so we're going, I mean, we're praying so I can go home, right? Lord, thank you. We're just praying. And I felt the presence of God come into that dining room. And uh, I said, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. In my mind, thinking, you know, we're going to have great service sometime. She's going she's to get the Holy Ghost. And she said, you know, I, I, I know I will. I just, need to, I just need to study a little bit more. I need to understand it a little bit better. And I know God's going to give me the Holy Ghost. And the Lord spoke to me. And I said, you can never get smart enough or understand it enough to receive it. And when I said that, the Holy Ghost just fell. I said, let's pray. And I began to pray with old boy who couldn't remember the last time he talked in tongues. And he started talking in tongues. And I reached over and I said, I want you to pray for your wife. And we laid hands on her in her dining room. And she began to weep and speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Don't think that Bible studies are dead and dry and mundane. Because when you, when you get in somebody's living room and their dining room, whatever it is, Brother Pat, the gifts of the Spirit can operate. I got a little pet doctrine. I know I'm going to run over time here. But I got a little pet doctrine. And that is that I think everybody in the body is supposed to be equipped with the gifts of the Spirit. But there's not room enough in two services a week for your gift to operate. You're going to have to... Do- 
we are going to have to do something spiritual outside of these walls. Some of y'all looking at me real funny. But when God gives this worldwide end-time revival and there's congregations of 10,000 and 20,000, explain to me how everybody who's got the gift of tongues and interpretation is going to use that gift in a crowd of 10,000. It's not going to happen, but it is going to happen in home prayer meetings. It is going to happen in home Bible studies. It is going to happen when, when we get together and say, you know what, I think we're going to have a prayer meeting on a Monday evening and God's... Man, I, I'm going to give up on points two and three for tonight. I want to tell you a story. There is a, there is a prayer meeting that happened in Morgantown, West Virginia. This has been nearly 100 years ago now. Uh, there are three ladies. They had a cottage prayer meeting weekly. And uh, when they were in that prayer meeting, they had tongues and interpretation. You know, there's a, there's a prayer meeting that goes on in, in, uh, in Hanley. There's visions and signs and wonders go on there and there. makes me realize Sister Rachel's young because it says that old men will dream dreams, but the young will see visions. These three ladies are praying. One of them began to speak in tongues, began to, to give a, a word in tongues, and the other one, the other one interpreted the tongue. And the, the interpretation was an address in Wheeling, West Virginia, Go to this address in Wheeling, West Virginia and ask for a woman named Willie. And so those three ladies got on a train and went to Wheeling, West Virginia. This is like 1920-something, 1930-something. They got on a train and went to Wheeling, West Virginia. And the address, they went to the address that, they, that the, 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 the interpretation, the, the word from the Lord said, they went to that address and the address was a hardware store. And they walked in. And uh, the man that was working the counter, he said, Sir, we're looking for a woman named Willie. And the man said, Well, the only Willie that I know is Willie Johnson. And, uh, well, where would we find her? Well, you're going to go out here and there's this path and you're going to cross the creek. And so they did. They, they took this little path, they walked across the creek, and they saw this little cottage out in the woods, smoke rolling out of the chimney. They knocked on the door for the pat. And a woman opened the door and they said, we're looking for a woman. She said, you don't have to say, the woman at the door said, you don't have to say anything. God spoke to me last night and said he was going to send three women to rescue me. Sister Willie Johnson, I'm sure you are familiar, some of you maybe even heard of Sister Willie Johnson who was powerfully used of God. But she, she became part of the body of Christ because somebody said, I've got a ministry outside of these walls. I've got a prayer ministry outside of these walls. And in the middle of that, the gifts of the Spirit begin to operate. And the body is built up. And I feel faith in this place in such a wonderful way. When the Word of God is increased... Disciples are multiplied. I, I, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just mention the other two very quickly. They continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine and in breaking of bread, fellowship and breaking of bread. I want, I, I want to, to minister to you so strongly right now and tell you that fellowship and eating can be a ministry. 
Man, I thought somebody would shout and dance over that one right there. You mean to tell me <laughs> that chocolate pie can be a ministry? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Banana cream pie can be a ministry. Chicken and dumplings. I wish somebody would start a chicken and dumpling ministry. It is a ministry when there's a guest in the building if you are a hospitable person and have a hospitable home, to say, hey, how about next week y'all come eat dinner with us? If you don't have a hospitable home, but you're still a nice person, it's okay to say, hey, why don't we go get some Genos? Do you like Mexican? This is not very spiritual, is it? Yes, it is. Because everywhere in the book of Acts... They're hanging out together. Man, there's one place they're breaking bread while Paul is teaching. I'd like to have a coffee and some cake out here while I'm teaching. What's going on? You are making a connection with somebody. You're making a connection with somebody in an effort to build up the body of Christ. I know that's not very exciting. But it's a ministry. If you... Let me say this real nice. If you, if you have a home that is hospitable, you can, you can go back and read 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 10, where it talks about some works of service. And one of the works is in having lodged strangers. And that literally just means has been hospitable. If you are a hospitable person, but you don't think you can teach a Bible study, talk to somebody who does and say, the next time you want to give a Bible study, come over to our place. I'll make pie. Just look at somebody and say, I could do that. If you could do that, just tell them, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. I, I don't communicate well. I, I, I'm embarrassed to talk in front of somebody. I don't, I, I, can't, I don't feel like I can teach a Bible study, but I can make a coconut cream pie. This is really good stuff. This is really good stuff. You can invite a sinner to dinner. You can invite a saint that's struggling to dinner. You can invite a saint that you love to dinner. You can host a Bible study. Some people are natural entertainers and and are given to that. So they continued steadfastly teaching the Word, fellowshipping, eating good food. I just have a feeling that the Apostle Paul liked chicken, fried, whatever. It don't matter. Would Bishop Bounds say, tender or tough, I just can't get enough. And the last one is prayer. And there are some people in this, everybody is, is required to pray. Because if you don't pray, you won't stay. Everybody's required to pray and have a relationship with God. There are people under the sound of my voice that you know that you have a ministry of intercession there are everybody in this room should be able to intercede from time to time, but there are folks in this room that you have a ministry of intercession. You don't need to be uh, trying to figure out what your position on the praise team is going to be. You need to be figuring out how to get alone with Jesus and intercede. And for the revival to happen that God says is now, we are going to have to intercede. Isaiah 37 and verse number 3, Hezekiah said this, This is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy. For the children are come to birth, and there is not strength to bring them forth. If we are going to give birth spiritually, we've got to have folks that will pray strongly. 
we got to have people that, that are willing to say, God, I am an intercessor and I am willing to pray. Who's heard such a thing? Who's seen such things? Shall the earth be shall it bring forth in a day, or a nation be born at once? Isaiah sixty six says, "As soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children." There is a type of intercessory prayer that is travail intercession. And you may not be teaching a Bible study, but you can begin to intercede for somebody that is and for the person that's being taught. In fact, Brother Pat, we're going to do the best that we can to try to coordinate so that every Bible study that's being taught, we know about it and it's shared with an intercessory team. Because if there's going to be spiritual birth, there's got to be spiritual labor. And we've got to have folks in this latter-day church that are willing to pray until something happens. On uh, Saturday night, we're going to talk about that and there's going to be an intercession impartation session. And there's going to be folks that have the ministry of intercession. Uh, they're going to lay hands on other folks that are hungry to be used by God. And God is going to transfer some things from the elder to the younger. God's going to transfer some old giftings and some old swords. I believe God, I, I don't believe in the passing down of mantles. I believe in the multiplication of mantles. And I believe that God's going to let some folks that have a powerful prayer life lay hands on folks and they can pick up the same mantle and be used in a powerful way. So we need intercessors that are willing to pray and bring forth children. And we also need intercessors that are willing to be part of spiritual warfare. Paul said that he wrestled or he fought with beasts at Ephesus. Unless you think that uh, that just means something that he did in an arena with a real animal. He says in 1 Corinthians 16 and 8, he said, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost for a great door and effectual is open unto me and there are many adversaries. There was some major spiritual opposition to that church that we've been reading about in Ephesus. He said there's great adversaries but there's a great door of revival that is open unto me. And as we walk, why don't we stand to our feet, as we walk through the door that God has opened to this church, we are going to fight some spiritual battles. If there is going to be some pushback. We've broken through some stuff in the last week and we're not going to go back, but we're going to move forward in the name of the Lord Jesus, we have got to have intercessors. We've got to have people that are willing to fellowship and love folks. And we've got to have people that are willing to teach the Word of God. Why don't we just lift our hands standing right where we are. Father. God, if you're hungry to do something greater in the kingdom, I wish that you would step to the front of this church. It may sound corny, it may sound cheesy, but if you want to be a bodybuilder, if you want God to use you to build up the body of Christ, will you come to the front and just lift your hands as a statement of faith and a testimony, God, I am available. I am allowing you, God, I am giving you express permission to inconvenience me. I'm giving you express permission to disrupt some stuff in my life. 